Today on the Buckle Bomb Show, a new AEW champion has been crowned. Bobby Fish appeared on Impact Television. What or who is the White Rabbit? And Soraya's All Elite. Welcome to another episode of the Buckle Bomb Show here at Bomb Media Productions. My name is Bobby, and I'm so happy to be here to talk professional wrestling with you. Once again, I am joined, as always, by my broadcast partner, Anthony Roan. Tony, the Grizzly Villain, how are you doing, buddy? Yowie, wowie, I hope you guys are watching this today, 925 at 925 p.m. for a special q <laughs> Oh boy, yowie wowie. Yep, we've got we've got the white rabbit out there. Who knows who or what it could be. We'll be talking about that in a little bit, but we will start first in AEW. We've got a new champion. John Moxley has defeated Brian Danielson at Grand Slam to become three-time AEW champion. Tony, what did you think of the match and what do you think of Moxley? Uh, kind of in a surprise here. He's not even supposed to be here right now. He's supposed to be on vacation. What do you think of him becoming three-time champion? He is slowly turning into the character from Clerks. Like That's exactly what I was saying. Yep. This is supposed to be my day off. <laughs> this is John Moxley, dude. Like He was supposed to go on vacation. This is fucked up plans for GCW, which I'm more pissed off about than CM Punk and the Young Bucks thing. Because let's face it, you know it. If you watch the show long enough, I'm a GCW mark through and through. Um, but yeah, man, it, Christ. And then it makes you wonder, you know, because Daniel Bryanson, Brian Danielson, where the hell you want to call him, is more than capable enough to carry that torch. But at the same time, John Moxley's the guy. He is the locker room leader for AEW. He is the heart and soul of that company right now. And I don't say this too often because you know how I feel about Moxley and blackpool combat club but the day moxley loses that title i'm gonna be so happy for him yeah i uh (laughs) i think it's it's hard to say it's not deserved for moxley right now certainly he's the guy right now there he was willing to come back when he was supposed to be gone you know this is was supposed to be him and renee time i'm sure and their kid but they put it on him, I, you know, and good for him, dude. I'm, I'm obviously, and I don't know if I've spoken about this too much on the show. I'm not. Well, let's put it this way: CM Punk, even at that AEW press conference, All Out press conference, uh, he did say in there it kind of got lost in the shuffle that, you know, him and Moxley don't have the same philosophy on pro wrestling, but they were able to make it work and put on a good match at that show. I, I'm with Punk there. I, I'm not. There are things about Moxley's style that don't vibe with me, but it's hard to deny the star that he has become, that he was even in WWE as Dean Ambrose, and and now even more so with uh, AEW. I 
certainly would have loved Daniel Bryan, or excuse me, Brian Danielson to uh, be world champion here. That will come for sure. Brian Danielson's one of the biggest stars, one of the best wrestlers in the world. He'll get that shot. He'll get that opportunity, no doubt. But right now, I do think it's just it's time for John Moxley just to let him have the belt and let him have a nice long run with it. All right, we will go ahead and move on to the next topic here. We've got Bobby Fish. He's had a an interesting couple of weeks or week or two. Uh, he's uh, was released or his his excuse me his contract uh, ended with AEW. Uh, a picture came out and everyone was ragging on how old he looked in this picture. Then uh, Friday morning. Uh, news broke that he had tried to get Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly to leave AEW with with him and potentially come back to WWE. And then Friday night, out of nowhere, he uh, Im- appeared on Impact Wrestling. What do you think of his appearance on Impact in the week that Bobby Fish has had up and down? Well, first and foremost, when it comes to Adam Cole, Bay Bay. It's not NXT for life. It's not Undisputed Era for life. It is Bullet Club for, oh, goodness. for life. Now, with that being said, um, I, I may mention this on Twitter. I want to go in on this a little bit. Because you motherfucking cockroaches on Twitter, I've had to spend the last five years listening to you guys suck the cock and balls of the Undisputed Era because they were God's gift to Earth from Daddy Trips himself when NXT was actually worth the shit to watch whenever Nikita Lyons wasn't on the screen. Now, because Bobby Fish is making his own way, you guys all turn your back on him? Undisputed Era for... Get fucked! You guys are all the fucking same when it comes to this goddamn pro wrestling tribalism bullshit because he's not WWE, he's not AEW, that motherfucker's Impact. And guess what? Have you sons of bitches talking shit about this? Haven't watched Impact since it was ran by Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, the Big Bad Booty Daddy, and Kurt Angle back in the day. Impact is good fucking wrestling right now. Bobby Fish is a good fucking wrestler. They're going to make some awesome moments on Impact with Bobby Fish. Mark my words. It's hard to disagree with you there. I don't watch a whole lot of Impact just because I barely have time to watch AEW and WWE with my schedule right now, so I don't get to watch a whole lot of Impact or GCW unless you point me to something specific. But I think this is good for Impact Wrestling for sure. Bobby Fish is a name, and he's, no pun intended, a big fish in a smaller pond there. But, uh, you know, obviously he's been up and down in the news this week, stuff with CM Punk, challenging him to a fight, all this stuff. And, you know, maybe he's a little more of a divisive figure backstage than we knew or have heard, um, which may be why WWE didn't take him back right away. We'll see what happens there. Uh, We don't know his contract status necessarily with Impact. There's been a lot of stuff about Impact talent and their contracts and all that stuff that's kind of been out there. We don't know what's going on with all that. So maybe he still can make an appearance in WWE once whatever this uh, agreement with Impact runs out, if it's a short one. All right. Well, I don't even think it needs to be... I don't even think it needs to be when this agreement runs out. 
I said yeah. Impact's good wrestling. That does not mean Impact oh, great. is big wrestling. Impact is definitely nowhere near where TNA was 10 years ago. And even back then, people like you were No, no, TNA. not much. I was, I was following, I wasn't watching anything back then, but about. yeah. Yeah. So, my, my thing with it is, is you might see maybe Bobby Fish pop up in an NXT kind of deal. But it's also being speculated right now that after he couldn't convince Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole to leave AEW, that maybe the thing with WWE kind of soured. I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't there. I'm not the NSA Ask Them Freedom of Information Act, okay? But what I am saying is we'll see what happens. If he proves himself on impact, we know that Triple H watches wrestling that's not just WWE exclusive. So if he makes a big enough splash and impact, who knows? He might come back to main event or level up. And that's just after me going on a rant about what a great talent he is. He's just, there's no room for a guy, unfortunately, who never had a singles run in WWE to come back without his faction. I don't care who's in charge. That's just a... WWE mentality. I don't well, and that's that's the thing. The WWE audience doesn't really know him. The NXT audience, you know, knows him as part of, you know, the Undisputed. So, and that's pretty much it. You know, obviously you have your crossover people who watch more wrestling, but the the quote unquote casual WWE fan don't really know anything about him. So, as far as star power goes. Which is different from in ring talent, you know. He doesn't have a whole lot of a lot of that to bring with him to WWE to make him more appealing to sign. All right, we will go ahead and move on to the next topic: the White Rabbit. Uh, there's been a lot of news in the last couple of weeks. It's been more and more. They've been playing uh, the Jefferson Airplane song in the buildings during commercial breaks and at house shows. And it's kind of started to virally pop up in Twitter and on the internet when now people are talking about it more and more. And of course, anything like this viral that WWE starts doing, there's one name that's going to come up. And I know you love that name coming up. You also hate when that name comes up because it means you will get disappointed at some point. Uh, Like you probably did on Friday. I don't think you were even watching live. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can't get disappointed right. if you don't watch but um they're selling merch on wwe.com they're selling white rabbit merch right now but we still don't know what this is about exactly of course uh i was alluding to bray wyatt there's obviously a carrying cross connection with him being white rabbit in lucha underground back in his early career but there's not a whole lot we know uh, the WWE is keeping this really close to the vest. Uh, even people within WWE, even higher ups, don't really know anything about it right now. What do you think this is? I think uh, they're going to announce a pay per view for Easter Sunday, twenty twenty three, called the Second Coming, and uh, a giant white rabbit's going to hop out of an Easter basket, much akin to the Goblin Gooker. I mean, hey, okay, maybe. We do have uh, we do have Survivor Series coming uh, up. I mean, we get a White Rabbit versus Gobbledygooker match. The... War Games. 
the 31st anniversary of it? <laughs> oh my god. Great picture. Of All right, let's uh, before we go on this, let's put fancy oh, bugger hats on for a second. Uh, great one-off characters in WWE history. Well, great match. You got to have you know, um Shawn Michaels is Colonel Sanders. Gobbledygooker. Uh We'll throw the Brooklyn Brawler in there because he was never really anything other than a comedy act. Uh, you could put any midget in Dink the Clown makeup. All right, I'm, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I would actually pay to see this fucking match. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I've changed my mind so much on this in the last 24 yeah. hours. Um. I was under the impression that it was going to be a Firefly Funhouse stable like we uh, talked about. There's been a lot of uh, theories thrown out, fan theories about that, yes. With Braun being Huskis and then Scarlet being Scarlet Witch, or not Scarlet Witch, or the fuck the witch's name was, you know, Kyrian himself being the White Rabbit. But then you look and you realize Kyrian Cross is already in this program with... Uh, Drew going into mm-hmm. uh, Extreme Rolls are going to have a strap match, which good on WWE for bringing back an old territory match. You can tell Daddy Trips has his finger in that cookie jar on that one. Um, but so he's in a program. They're not going to completely repackage him to an old gimmick. They're not going to, uh, you know, do anything of that nature. Whether you like or disagree with Braun Strowman coming back, they're not going to make him stop squashing the tag team division so that's not an option but at the same time too like we have to look at free agency in professional wrestling right now i don't see somebody getting repackaged um but i do also think that on top of free agency that also ties in the nxt call-ups and let's say it's not bray wyatt because what, I'm trying to remember the word they used in the QR code from Friday night. Do you, did you no, I, I just saw it was coordinates, so, but I didn't know there was a word with it. I just saw it was coordinates to the uh, Edmonton Arena for where Raw is taking place from. So, there was a word, and I can't remember the word because I have a fucking semi-college education from a piss-poor accredited college in Pasco County. So, the word it means you killed your father. Um, oh, oh, uh, pat, patricide. Okay. White, patricide, that's what it was. I, I, I was thinking it was like patriocide or something like that, but whatever. Yes, patricide. So, who could it be then? If we're throwing Bray Wyatt off to the side. Then my mind started going towards NXT talent. And I think, and people are going to hate this, I think it's going to be Joe Gacy. He had kind of a weird supernatural gimmick going on, especially after he lost uh, our boy Parker Bordeaux. They gave him like this weird kind of like Undertaker gimmick where he had fucking druids and shit unexplicably so yeah I could totally see it being him 
Joe Gacy's interesting. Um, remember, there was a lot of talk. Uh, we talked about it last week on the show that Triple H has a lot of surprises in store uh, that aren't necessarily the ones that everyone's talking about. Bray Wyatt and Sasha and Naomi, things like that. This could, de- And it didn't say bring new people into the company. It just said surprises. So that's certainly one that could be talked about. And for those that don't know who Joe Gacy is, there's a picture of him there next to The Fiend. Um... So you can see where... When the fuck was that? I don't know. That's just a picture that I found real quick and brought up. But you can see where that that look on him can certainly work. At least a more supernatural type stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But even with some of the other pictures here... um, Just thinking out loud... Because now after seeing that picture, I'm 100% back in on Joe Gacy being the White Rabbit. Um, Bo Dallas is another one as well, because it's my understanding that he was taking bookings underneath kind of a supernatural gimmick himself there for a little bit. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you, you, you can see, especially this picture right here, he's not in any makeup or anything, but he's got that look that you can definitely see. Um. Red lights confirmed <laughs> Joe Gacy's the white red. I mean, hey. Maybe. But, uh, all right. That's that's a good guess there. Uh, I mean, certainly it could be Bray Wyatt. Uh, we just don't know at this point. But it's got everyone intrigued. The one thing is, if it is Gacy, You've got to manage expectations here because everyone believes it's going to be Bray Wyatt and they're expecting that big debut for him. And if it ends up not being him, you could have a little bit of an issue on your hands. you got to somehow put something out there. Not obviously say outright that it's not because you want people guessing and wondering and you want that to be the story. But when everyone just outright believes it's, it's Bray and you haven't done anything to quell that, you know, you want to be careful that you don't set everyone's expectations at a certain level. And, oh, it's this guy I've never even heard of now. Instead of, you know, Bray Wyatt. So. <laughs> Red lights. Uh-oh. All right. We'll go ahead and move on to the next topic here. Soraya has made her debut at Dynamite Grand Slam. She is all elite. This is a very interesting news. We, we haven't heard for sure that she's cleared to wrestle yet as you uh, try to crack your neck there. But it's uh, it seems that she's going to be on the active roster, certainly the way she debuted with uh, Britt Baker and all those in the ring and then, you know, hugging Athena and all that. Though she didn't do anything physical. So this is still up in the air. Do you think... First off, are you happy to see Soraya at... AEW, and do you think she'll be able to wrestle? I'm always happy to see Soraya. She's a hell of a talent. I mean, she there's a reason literally why The Rock made a movie based mm-hmm. off of her family. Her story is absolutely fucking inspirational. The, everything she's been through with her parents, her brother, mental health, like, goddamn, I love her, good on her. She will always hold a special absolutely. place in my heart. 
I'm excited to see her in AEW. Sometimes you just need a new pasture to open up that creativity again. But, backtracking for a moment, and like I said with Bobby Fish, you tribalistic motherfuckers. Here we go, another wrestler that everybody dick wrote, everybody loved. She was beloved by everybody for years. Give Paige a chance. She's the women's revolution. Oh, we can overlook that she had Xavier Woods skied on the women's championship in NXT. We can overlook all this bullshit about Paige. She's a hell of a wrestler, and you guys were absolutely fucking correct. And then she shows up in AEW, and everybody loses their fucking mind. Like, Jesus Christ. She is a person. She's a human being. She's a performer trying to earn a living. Why fault somebody for trying to earn that living doing what they love? Dan Brian Danielson was going to do the exact same fucking thing Paige, was Paige did. If he wasn't going to get cleared by WWE. He was going back to Ring of Honor. He literally talked about yeah. this. Openly on Renee Paquette's podcast recently. So you mean to tell me, I would have loved to have seen this. I would have fucking killed to see all you fucking weeb-ass motherfuckers on Twitter. Oh, Brian Davidson, he got killed, so I don't recognize him. He's not clear. Shut the fuck up. Like, dude. And I don't know if it's because it's a political reasoning, too, because if you know what her theme song is and what it's about and who it's by yeah. or anything like that, but Jesus Christ, give her a fucking break, people, for the love of God. Uh, yeah, I, I, I fortunately, I think, didn't see a lot of the, a lot of that. What I did see was people were people uh, ragging on her because she's on the AEW uh, website now with her records, right, and her her trios record there, and people, you know, making terrible jokes about that and and things that have come up in the past and just and just bullying shit. Bullying tactics that are garbage. Like this person's been through so much, and the fact that she is at a point now where she is she is emotionally past that and can deal with it healthily is fantastic. And if you haven't seen her uh, interview on uh, Renee Paquette's sessions, go back and watch. It's a good it's a good episode for Renee Paquette's sessions there. But uh, yeah, certainly. All that aside. Um, you do expect her to wrestle, though. Good. No, absolutely. Without a doubt in my mind, she is going to be women's champion, say, before Full Gear. No, no, Full Gear is in November. Probably by Revolution, I'll say. Revolution. I can I can go with that. Um, I mean, maybe they make it, maybe they do a punk deal, because she she's, hasn't wrestled in five years. So that's, I mean, hey, it was only seven for, it was seven for punk. It's, it's been five years for Soraya here so they might do a thing where it's been a when she, she takes nearly a full year 10 months to get to a point where hey now she's the number one contender I wouldn't mind that as long as they don't do pull a Ruby Soho and she's just kind of relegated to dark or something like that but she's too big a star I don't think you're gonna do that with her all right can I ask you a serious question about Ruby Soho Absolutely. since you brought her up I was never a fan of her. Not that I'm not saying like she's not a good wrestler or anything. There's just something about her that's not entertaining to me. Could you maybe perhaps 
describe to me the hype of what Ruby, Ruby Soho is to professional wrestling? I think a lot of the hype when she was brought in was that, oh, here's another WWE underused persona. You know, someone who maybe deserved a bigger shot and didn't get it. That was where I think most of the hype came in. I, I think she was a good wrestler. She was really good, at, you know, as the leader of the Riot Squad. But, you know, and I, I have, I didn't, I wasn't watching enough at the time, especially NXT and and uh, a lot of the lower card stuff at that time. So I can't speak specifically to her. I think she's excellent in the ring and she's got a great look. Um, and unfortunately, she's injured right now. But, uh, yeah. So I can't I can't speak specifically to your question, but as far as her connection to the fans, yeah, just speak, just asking out loud about that because, like you said, great look. She she's decent in the ring. It's just watching her matches to me, it, it, it's very boring. And I just I don't know if I'm in a minority group on this or what, but I just figured I'd hmm. ask somebody else. You know? I've never, I've never looked at any of her matches that I've watched that way. They've never come off as boring to me necessarily, but I mean, to each his own. Um, all right, we'll go ahead and move on. We got, we've got one more main topic here. That is, War Games is returning. The classic WCW NWA uh, territory uh, cage match, double ring cage match, is returning. It's Basically, going to be taking place. Uh, it's going to be in place of the Survivor Series match, the uh, famous five-on-five elimination tag matches that have been really terrible for the last decade plus. To be honest with you, for the most part, there've been a couple of couple of them that have been interesting. Obviously, there's the the one that ended with Sting's debut was really good. Um, you know, with the the Dolph Ziggler comeback, that was a pretty good one. But other than that, I can't think of a single one that has stood out in a decade. Uh, so, uh, the only one I can think of outside the Sting one is, uh, and again, Triple H has fingers on this, was the uh, NXT War Games or NXT Survivor Series from 2019. Oh, there you go. But um, here we're up on the main roster Survivor Series. We're doing war games. We're bringing it to that. It's going to be the WWE version of war games. You know, you're not going to have a roof on the cage. It's going to be the same cage they used in NXT. Uh, but the double ring is going to be a really interesting look, uh, which is great. I think one of the as smooth and great as the WWE production is, you know, not a lot about it. Yeah, sure, sets have changed, and you know they've added LEDs to just about everything. But the core presentation hasn't really changed in 30, 40 years. So just just the mere fact of having two rings side by side like that, which means you have two hard cameras, one focused on every ring, it's it makes everything look completely different. And I'm really excited just to see how that looks on a big scale, you know, major one of WWE's big four pay-per-views. What are you excited about this? I'd imagine you are. Yeah, I am actually. I, I I'm a huge fan of the war games concept. I mean, it, it, you know, my grandfather's the one who brought me into professional wrestling from NWA, WCW back in the '90s up to, you know, fuck blood and guts. They do a great job with the war games concept. Um, however, I will say this: the one thing that always intrigues me about these pay per views 
outside of the war games matches themselves because it's my understanding and there's going to be two of them uh women's and a men's is how are the rest of the matches going to utilize having the secondary ring right um but as far as like you know having war games take over the survivor series matches it's basically a survivor series match with a cage as it is already you know elimination style kind of matches uh so yeah i think this is one of the greatest ideas this is the best way to put a fresh paint of a fresh coat of paint on something that was old and quite frankly getting very agreed a hundred percent uh, one thing about it, and this is a great article. This is what announced uh, the return of War Games. It's on the Ringer. Uh, go and read the article. It's a great article. It's got an interview with Triple H on there, and there, this is the one that announced um, the return of War Games. And they go into the the history of War Games, how it started in NWA in uh, 1987, if I'm not mistaken, um, and and it talks about how bloody this was meant to be. It was always meant to be a big bloody feud with a lot of guys you know and uh there was an interesting quote on here if i can find it real quick um that i thought was interesting and i thought of uh, of you tony um where he specifically talks about blood in the wwe and he gave basically the only answer he can despite what you or i may think he thinks about it he had to give sort of the wwe corporate answer of well Blood isn't a thing we can do. And yeah, we used to do it and, and all this. But, you know, with COVID and with diseases and with all this stuff and with things being as dangerous as they already are for these performers, why do we want to intentionally make things more dangerous uh, was, one of, was one part of the quote. So it certainly sounds like it's not going to be war games of old. Um, but... And there's probably not going to be any blood. If there is, it's it's going to be hard way, probably an accident. Uh, certainly, you're not going to see any blading in WWE. Winking or not, I don't know if you watch any of the NXT War Games, especially going back to the Undisputed Era War Game. Uh, but goddamn, goddamn, son, that that was a uh, that was some blood. Yeah. Um, but that was also NXT. Now we're talking about one of the, one of the big four. And you've got a board of directors, you're a publicly traded company. You've, you've, this is more high profile. You can't, you can get, get away with a little bit more on a, on an NXT, even an NXT takeover. This is Survivor Series. This is the second pay-per-view ever after WrestleMania. So... This is a big deal. I, I, I think you've got to be more careful here. Um, this is a long article. I'm trying to find the, the, the blood quotes in it. It looks like I might have missed it. But um, And you did mention, and it is mentioned here, that AEW has their own version that they've called Blood and Guts, which was a bit of a dig at a Vince McMahon quote. But uh, in my opinion, it would. You, you, you say dig, I say a wink. <laughs> right. Right. 
Well, I guess I guess Vince McMahon's quote was the dig, and this was the tip of the cap back. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm excited for this. You're absolutely right. Uh, War Games is 100 uh, percent going to be a fresh coat of paint on the traditional Survivor Series match, and I think it's going to be a banger. And I'm really looking forward to who the participants will be, who the factions will be. We'll have a men's match and a women's War Games match, which will be really exciting too. And there's, I would imagine you would have damage control along with two other women in there. And you'd probably have, you know, Asuka, Alexa, uh, maybe Becky Lynch will be back by then. Uh, that, that might be a little too soon, but it'll be close, November. Though I don't know if you want to put her in a War Games ba- match after... That- after a separated shoulder. But, I mean, it's really interesting the, the combinations you could have here. First off, before I continue with my point, I need to know if I can get a print of that to put in my recording studio because that is, like, one of the most badass It is nice, isn't it? Of all time. Uh, secondly, you mean to tell me that Damage Control needs two members who could work great as heels? Who might be, like, surprise returns to be on the team? You could just dig and pick two women who are great at being healed. Yeah, but do you think there's any way possible they could come, they could come back as a heel? Are you fucking kidding me? Naomi's a fucking sneeze away from being the first female in the bloodline. Okay. Okay. And and don't be wrong, I love Sasha as a heel too. I think she's a better heel than a babyface, but. With all that's going on, do you think that would be even remotely a good idea, or would it be more like Bret Hart and WCW nineteen ninety eight being a heel when he should have been the biggest baby face in WCW? Like here's here's a here's a return. They got screwed over, and now they're back. They they're gonna have all this sympathy. You oh, you bring you bring Sasha back. Two weeks before reward games. Two weeks. Damage Control says that they have two partners of mine. They haven't released them. They're saying they're playing this one close. You already know Becky's back. She's running everything with Asuka and Bianca and uh, Alexa. And Sasha comes back. Huge fucking pop. She's going to, dude, I'm talking MJF return level pop. And she's going to get her first night back on Raw. She's going to come out and she's going to start cutting a promo about how much she's missed this, how much pro wrestling was her life, how much it means to her to be back inside a ring. And then all of a sudden, Becky Lynch's music goes off. Becky comes down, goes to embrace Sasha. Sasha fucking hits her with a forearm, then bank statement. They interview her backstage. She's with damage control. People like Becky Lynch are the reason why Sasha Banks fucking left. You guys get all the chances in the world, leave no chances for anyone else. I had to be in a fucking tag team division for the women. Nobody gives a shit about women's tag teams. Dude, you have a storyline right there that could take you a few through WrestleMania. I mean, certainly you could go that way. I. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of different things you could do here, and... 
And I certainly think you could make Sasha Banks. Sasha, Sasha Banks is good enough that no matter how much sympathy she has coming back and how big a return it is, she'll be able to pull off a heel turn. There's no doubt about that. Just whether or not it's it's it'll be a good idea depends on the execution and how they book it and how they use it, for sure. Um, all right. That will do it for our main topics. Uh, we've got quite a few uh, quick jabs here we want to run through real quick. Uh, first off, I wanted to bring up this Solo Sokoa um, relinquishing the North American title on NXT this week. And they had this video package that they did to do it. And let me, you know, let me play a little bit of it here. And, you know, we can talk about whether or not he should have relinquished a belt. It should have been taken from him. But what I really want to discuss here is how terrible this package was. You got like 18 different camera angles. It's cutting back and forth way too much. They're crossing the line. They're in the between them there. It's this. I've seen films shot, literally home movies shot by a twelve-year-old, put together, filmed, and recorded, and edited better than this is. This is ridiculously bad and cheesy and way over the top soap opera looking, like just god awful. And I feel bad, and it's none of the fault of anyone in it. It's not so, certainly not Solo Solo's fault. Uh, HBK is not great in it, but I mean, I don't think he gives a shit at this point to be on TV, especially. <laughs> um, it, I mean, his eyes look worse than ever, but whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, this—it's just god awful. Um, but you saw this. I, I made sure you saw it before uh, we went uh, and recorded. What did you think of this? I mean, absolutely. The cameras were crossed definitely more than Shawn Michaels' eyes. And Jesus Christ, they're not really setting the bar too high for us when it comes to a production value. I mean, Jesus Christ. That. It looks like we're about $25 away watch, from being at that let me, let me pause you there. Uh, watch, so, watch this cut right here. This weird little reaction cut. You're already on Shawn Michaels. And then you cut to a completely different angle to a weird reaction. And then you cut back to the same shot before. Like, what the? It, just terrible. Just absolutely terrible stuff. But go ahead and continue what you're saying. I'm sorry. But, no. The, to me, this is the dumbest fucking thing imaginable. Truly was. Right now, I get that they're pushing the United States Championship on Raw because that's... Raw's biggest title right now. You know, with all the other titles being on SmackDown every fucking week because of the bloodline, and you don't see Roman pop up on Raw too often. So, the United States title is rightfully on your biggest guy, which at, right now is Lashley, uh, arguably. So, the thing that bothers me the most about it is you are Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You're four days removed from having that championship defended on SmackDown. Mm -hmm. And then you just strip it off the dude who defended it. And then you get the visual from SmackDown of all the ooses, even my ginger ooze. And Solo and Zayn don't have belts. Like, it looked fucking weird. 
they were on the outside, and, and if that's okay. I, the thing is, I don't know if you're, you want to take the IC title off of uh, Gunther anytime soon. So he's probably... Oh, God, no. I'm going to see him and Sheamus right? again. Right? Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about that in just a second uh, here in Quick Jabs. But uh, he'll probably be beltless for a while, along with... Um, Along with uh, your ginger favorite there in the bloodline. But speaking of Sami Zayn, I, going a little off topic here, I will worry quick jab, so it doesn't matter. What, first off, that, that segment that opened SmackDown was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic with Sami Zayn, ripping the shirt off of him and, and how hurt he looked, and then giving him his own. Uh, honorary Oos SZ shirt. Mwah, that was beautiful. I love that. That was amazing, amazing stuff right there. What did you think of that segment? Let's start there. Dude, I, I, honestly, and this is either going to be the most popular opinion or most unpopular opinion. At this point, it feels like there's only one person that can bring Roman Reigns down. And they're building it up to be Sami Zayn of all fucking people. And if you would have told me this like six months ago, I would have said you were so full of fucking shit. But now I'm fucking buying it. I am on the Sami Zayn hype train. I, it, it, the train's left the station. There's no stopping this shit. You have Roman telling Solo that even though the High Chief sent him, he still needs to acknowledge him. And make Solo acknowledge him. And then Sami says, I want to acknowledge you as well. They make you feel so bad for Sammy because he wants to be nothing more than mm -hmm. in the bloodline. And there's, you still got that weird thing with the one twin. I don't know if it's Jimmy or Jay. Jimmy. Fucking Jay, who's in the, who's in the back? Jay, almost 15 years in the yeah, almost 15 years in the WWE. <laughs> I still can't tell them to fuck apart. So. You got Jay standing in the back looking like a fucking scolded ex-wife finding out that her ex-husband's getting married again. Like, just completely pissed off. But he was so hyped in that split second where he got to just... He brutalized the fuck out of Sammy Zayn taking that shirt off of it. But you yeah. felt bad for Sammy. Like, Sammy looked like a fucking puppy dog, dude. Like I told you, I sent you this in a private text message. I have never felt so much joy for another man getting a t-shirt in my entire life than I did for Sami Zayn getting his honorary Ooze shirt. Like, that just completely... But it was it was great because you're there and, and the fans are ready for it. Like, they're they're built up and they're ready to cheer Sami Zayn on. He's... Oh, this is the moment, you know, he's going to turn babyface and he's going to be fighting, you know, Solo and the Usos. And here it is and we're going to be behind him. And then Roman Reigns gives him the shirt. No, he's he's still with us. And he's an honorary oos. And he had all that sympathy and all that babyface sympathy. And then the boos come because he we're not getting what we want from him yet. And you're just going to build that up. Now, I don't think he'll be the one to knock down Roman Reigns. I don't think it's being built up to that level. But I do think at some point, and we're probably a few months away from, from it yet, at some point... You know, Sami Zayn's going to turn, and it's going to be glorious. And I can't wait for that to happen. It's going to be great, if this is any indication. Oh. Oh. 
You're absolutely right, but here's the thing. And this is where you and me are begging the differ here. I think WWE is building a contingency plan right now. We all know the plan is Brock Which by Brock. no means of the Rock schedule can, can they ever know until like a month beforehand, yeah. Exactly. And I think what they're building up to right now is a backup plan with Sami Zayn just in case the Rock thing falls through. I would be happy with that at WrestleMania. I mean, look, everyone gives Sami Zayn so much shit. But if you've never seen his work in Pro Wrestling Gorilla, Ring of Honor, any indie back in the day, man, Sami Zayn is just lights out when you let him Absolutely. wrestle. There's a reason why they had that built-in storyline when they signed Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens. You know, a lot of people... And I feel like to this day, a lot of people don't understand why on Kevin Owens' first night in NXT, why he attacked Sami Zayn after Sami Zayn won the NXT Championship. There is a reason why he was handpicked by Triple H to win that title. If you don't think Sami motherfucking Zayn should come out in an El Generico hood and become WWE Champion, I'm not saying he's going to do that. I am saying, though, there is a world where Michael Cole knows who El Generico is. But... What I am saying, though, with this, though, is Sami Zayn has every inkling, every earnest part of his heart deserves to be champion. He is that He is an absolutely tremendous talent in the ring. There's no doubt about that. And a tremendous uh, entertainer. And in the role he's been in, he's been fantastic at. He's he's great at this little smarmy heel that's, that's, you know, just barely gets away with things and sometimes he doesn't but he's always somehow able to get that heat back he's absolutely fantastic and now being pushed into this role if he is in some ways being built up for roman reigns just even just as a backup plan you've got to build the character back up in the ring right now because he's still kind of the guy who you know right now as he's presented on tv couldn't beat anyone he's just sort of gets lucky or he runs away or whatever and he's a coward you've got to build that character back up to a certain degree so that when at least in the ring so that when he stops being a coward and he's ready to face uh the bloodline you know you can believe it when he goes toe-to-toe with solo and he goes toe-to-toe with the usos so you've got to build them up a little bit here and it's going to take a few months to do that but you can do that with him on the side of the bloodline. Yeah, it looks like look, your Booker head's working. I see it. So, Roman needs Sammy to find that killer instinct. He wants the IC title in the bloodline because Solo's already knocked off Bobby Lashley. Solo's your U.S. champion. Sammy, I need, I need you to find that killer instinct. I'm sending you to the High Chiefs. They send Sammy off to work with the Wild Samoans for a while. You get awesome video packages of the Wild Samoans just fucking going ape shit on Sammy Zayn, carrying fucking lumber up mountainsides and shit. I mean, of course, you're not going to see that because their school is in fucking Apopka and there's no mountains in Florida. But y- you get the drift. Have WWE fly him out to fucking Maui for a fucking couple weeks. <laughs> you can make it work. You get these bat, 
you can make it work. You get these badass videos of the Wild Samoans and maybe even Rikishi just busting the shit out of Sami Zayn. Maybe even go as far as, like, you know, some fucking... I'm not saying, like, get, like, a fucking tribal tattoo or anything like that. I would never suggest anybody to get tribal tattoos. But, uh, yeah, and then that's how you build up the killer instant character of Sami Zayn. That would be that would be an interesting way to go about it. I would like that. Did you see? Because you were talking about tribal tattoos, there were there was a meme going around where someone had photoshopped uh, bloodline tribal tattoos all over the honorary ooze. It was fantastic. Let me see no. if I can find it real quick. Oh god! It was all over Twitter, and now I'm not going to be there able to find these... it. But it was great. These fucking Sami Zayn photoshops with the bloodline have been just a one. The the baby picture one, where they photoshopped him and Solo into that picture with Roman and Jimmy and Jay was just amazing. You ready for this? Oh. He's got the red streak of hair too. <laughs> 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 oh, no. He's got he's got the little heart with the Roman. <laughs> you can't. Oh man! If okay, I I gotta say this since uh, I had the YouTube video up earlier. For those of you listening to the podcast to the audio only version, uh, come to YouTube.com/slash Bomb Media Productions. Watch the video version. You'll see what we're talking about here, or. Go to, for the YouTube video that I was talking about with the North American Championship and Solo Sequoia uh, relinquishing that, uh, it's on WWE's YouTube channel. Um, and for the Sami Zayn picture that I'm looking at here, it's uh, it looks like it was originally posted, uh, or I don't know, if our, it, okay, either way, the Twitter account that I'm seeing it on right now is Real Sam Fines. And uh, he's he's got Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn and Triple H tagged in the in the tweet, but uh, he's got red hair. He's got a nose ring. He's got the the tribal tattoo, and then he's got a tattoo on his side that that's a heart and flowers, and across the heart it says Roman. It's absolutely fantastic. Go check that out for sure. If you are if you're watching if you're not watching the video and you're listening to the podcast audio only version, all right. Fuck it. Go find this. Go find this post and just give the dude a like on. Yeah, Facebook. absolutely. This is great stuff cool. here. Um, let me see. Art by Art by L E N G. I guess was the guy that originally made it. So let's do a shout out to him. Um, it looks like he has a lot of Marvel stuff. There's an Alexa Bliss picture here. Um, some really cool artwork here that he. I guess he does. Ooh, a Liv Liv Morgan as Daenerys. That's a really interesting one there. But um, some good stuff here to go go and check out. Uh, looks like you got different Marvel characters as WWE champions. A lot of fun stuff. So go check out Art by LNG on Twitter. Uh, a lot of good stuff on there, and look for that Sami Zayn picture. It's absolutely hilarious. All right. Uh, the next thing we wanted to talk about here was uh, if you watched AEW Dynamite Rampage. 
Uh, yeah, excuse me, excuse me. AEW Rampage uh, Grand Slam. There was a great... Well, <laughs> I almost said great, and I don't know why. This is not my match at all. Even you had issues with this match. Um, but with uh, House of Black and... and do this, huh? <laughs> well, I, you, were, you were railing into me about it, and you and I have talked before about... You know, and I... We were on opposite ends at the time about how dangerous Darby Allen was. And you've got more of that here where he split his head open every table spot. There are three of them in this match. And they were all they all went terribly wrong to varying degrees. Um, but that but the end of the match was what was really newsworthy here, and that was the great Muda coming out here in his retirement year, showing up in AEW to save Sting, um, and for them to get the victory over House of Black. And then that led to a tweet here by Noah out of Japan uh, saying that Sting will be taking part in the Great Muda's retirement match in January 22nd from the Yokohama Arena. Uh, first off, what did you think of the match and all the craziness that happened in that with the table spots? Then what do you, uh, And then what do you think of this uh, match with Noah with the Great Muda's retirement match and Sting taking a part in it? All right, so first and foremost, I thought this match was three spots away from being a great fucking match. And those three spots that happened were all three stupid fucking reckless table spots. The first one being, literally the second Sting climbs the top rope, I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? He needs to quit this bullshit. He's 60-some years old. And the second Chris Jericho calls him a plucky upstart, he fucking falls off the table and smacks his head off the second table. Like, they just most like, oh my god, yeah, we're gonna have to take this up the ramp because I'm pretty sure we just killed a pro wrestling legend live on yeah. television. And then you get some great shit that's actually happening on the stage. The coffin drop off the truss, the whole nine out, all that shit was cool. And then you don't hear anybody talking about this because this is fucking par for the course of Darby Allen. I'm pretty sure the dude's just a blood bank. The Red Cross waits after every match to collect that motherfucker's house. He busts his head on a fucking table spot where he got choke slammed off the stage by Brody King. Yeah. The fuck? And then, you know, you get the Sting being handcuffed, put in the fucking chair. Buddha comes out after seeing shades of Joker Sting from TNA, if you remember that character at all. He had little glimpses of that in the ring. Buddha comes out, Green Mist Buddy, Matthews, Murphy... Mysterio, whatever, Ripley, he's going to take me his last name. Fuck him. Anywho, he gets green-misted, and I think that this is honestly 100% Julia Hart's fault. Because you have to remember how young she is, which, by the way, my love for emo girls is just coming back tenfold. She looks like a fucking Blackcraft cult model during that match. Anyways, I digress. So, when Buddy was coming backwards, blinded by the green mist and he hits Julia Hart. She launches herself, as you can see here, off way too hard. Ass hits the end of the table, and her head hits concrete, and it looked like she bounced up and smacked her face up off yeah. the bottom of the guardrail again. But uh, according, according to Brody, a tweet from Brody King, Julia's just fine. According to Julia, she's fine. Her hat is fine. I don't know why she needed to throw that out there, but it's kind of hilarious. 
I mean, I mean, the booty on her though to break the table like that after barely touching it. I mean, Jesus. Oh God! Right? Like you can see, like it is a perfect. So it's a cartoon, yeah. Good on Julie. Yeah. It's a cartoon hole. Her ass made a cartoon hole. Hold on a second. Boom. Yeah, there, there's no, two look, sides. Yeah. See crack. If you watch it, she has fucking cartoon booty. All right. So on to the positives from this. The great motherfucking Muda, Sting taking place in the great Muda's last match. It wouldn't be the great Muda's last match without Sting. For those of you listening or watching, and you don't know the history between Sting and Great Muda, I, I implore you. It's all over YouTube. Some of it's on the network. Or Peacock, if you're in the U.S. But the rivalry that was Sting and Muda was fucking fantastic. And then for Pro Wrestling Noah to ask Sting to be a part of this is just something that... It's going to be great on a level that we're not expecting because... Let's be honest. The reason why we were all curious in Ric Flair's last match was because there was a morbid curiosity. There was that little thing in the back of your head. You don't want to see Ric Flair get hurt, but you knew there was a high chance that dude was going to have a fucking heart attack in the ring, and that was literally going to be Ric Flair's last match. Yeah. Muda looks better than half the AEW roster right now. Hey, hey, you're you're sounding a little too like Kenny Omega right there. (laughs) No, no, he looks great. He looks great. I agree with you. He looks great. Looks better than me. Fuck. So, for this to be taking place January 22nd, I'm going to be fucking watching. I don't care what time of the day it is. It's It's two days. The day after my birthday, yeah. So, yeah. Am I hearing that we're just going to pull our money together? And go <laughs> together? Ah, sold. I'm in. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, this is awesome. This is a rivalry and a friendship that... It's like Simon and Garfunkel, Hall and Oates, Peanut Butter and Jelly, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and DX. You can't have one without the other, in my opinion, especially when you talk about the longevity and success of Sting's career. I think Muda would have been fine without Sting, but without Muda, I don't think Sting would be as big as he is today. Agreed. Agreed. Muda is an absolute legend in the business, and a lot of American fans don't necessarily realize just how much. And obviously, the uh, rivalry between these two throughout their careers was always great. And for them to have, for Muda's retirement match to include Sting is just absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, all right, we'll move on to the next jab here. We've got uh, Gunther and Sheamus are going to have a rematch from Clash at the Castle on the season premiere of SmackDown on a, uh, Friday, October 7th. Uh, very much looking forward to this match, as I'm sure you are. Uh, expect another bruising match, and I expect the same result. Gunther with the belt. You agree? Yeah, yeah. Gunther is having a fucking... Not saying that Gunther never, like... Not saying Gunther ever, like, fell off or anything. But he is having a goddamn career renaissance right now, it feels like, with just... You could tell his in-ring action, he's having fun. 
He's always got a big smile on his face. You can tell when you look at his social media, he's yeah. just living his best fucking life right now. This dude is the embodiment of the Intercontinental Championship because he is that young. Not guy. young, but yeah. He's not so young. I actually think he's older than me. But he's somebody that Triple H can strap the jetpack to and rocket his ass to the moon within the next year. This belt is handmade for Agreed. Victor right now. Agreed. It's, it's his, and it's going to be his for a little while, I think. And then eventually, when he does lose it, I think it'll be because he'll be ready for a run at a world title. So, which I really hope we get to see. He's He is getting up there a little bit in age, but he's got a few years left in him, I think. And I would love to see him get a run with the world title eventually. And this is, I think he's, he's being groomed for that here with this here. And this is just another fantastic match. Uh, this was a fantastic match, Clash of the Castle, and I'm really looking forward to the rematch. Then again, though, we can't say anything about getting up there in age. <laughs> As we talked about going into WrestleMania, the average age of the main eventers of WrestleMania was 40. Well, and that's, that's one of the fun things to think about, the wrinkles in time like that. Back when uh, the new generation, WWF, were running those skits with Skeen Gene and, and, you know, Hulk Hogan and all that stuff. The Huckster. The Huckster. The Huckster. The Huckster. And the Nacho Man. Billionaire Ted, yeah, exactly. And they were ragging on the age of these guys. Hulk Hogan in 1996, when he became Hollywood Hogan, was 42. It's just nuts to think about how how old he was to everyone at the time, especially all of us that were kids. And yet, I mean, shoot, I'm going to be 42 in five years. So, Jesus Christ, I just said that out loud. And well, in five years, I'm gonna be 30. Yeah, I'm 37 in a couple of months, so you got 10 years then. All right, (laughs) you know, we'll just we'll settle the debate now because we're being cordial with each other and everything again. Kids, if you want nightmares tonight, just go ahead and Google Hulk Hogan hair plugs. You're not welcome. Oh boy. All right, uh, one last quick jab to talk about here. Uh, Gabe Sapolsky, many of you maybe not have heard about him. He, uh, Paul Heyman has called him his protege. Um, he was a big part of the early Ring of Honor. He uh, uh, helped, he founded Evolve along with a few other independent uh, companies that are still in, that are still running today. Um, and he was—he has been with WWE Creative for, before, uh, and he's a Triple H guy. And Triple H just brought him back. He has been rehired by the WWE for Creative. What do you think of this news? This is absolutely fan fucking tastic. Gabe Sapolsky is arguably one of the most influential people in professional wrestling today. Despite the fact that you may not know his name. I guarantee you, one of, if not all of your favorite professional wrestlers, thank him for helping them in their career at some point. There is not a lot of people in the professional wrestling business who, it seems like collectively, everybody has something good to say about them. Gabe Sapolsky is one of those people, and when it is his time to hang it up and he doesn't want to work in wrestling anymore, he will be a Hall of Famer. 
Yeah, absolutely. He's he's one of the great creatives in wrestling today and has been for the last decade, 15 years at least. Uh, really good news for the WWE here, I think. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Buckle Bomb Show. Whoa. Hit that button a little too early. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Buckle Bomb Show. We'll see you next week. Looking forward to it. The preceding announcement has been paid for by Bomb Media Productions.